Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. This is the OKest Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, if that's just meat in the freezer. It's your tag, you hunt how you want. This is OKest Hunter. Hey everybody, you're listening to the OKS Hunter Podcast, coming at you from the OKS Hunter Podcast studio. Thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, We are taking another break this week, so this is pre-recorded on Monday night, and uh, so Monday the the 13th of September, and uh, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts here. It's been a pretty crazy week. For those that don't know, my wife and I had our third child. He spent a week in the NICU, and he just came home this past Friday, so it's been a bit of adjusting, and then everyone got sick in the house on top of that, our other two kids. So, for that reason, we're not going to invite uh, Greg and Derek over to expose them to all of the germs in our house. We're just going to do another uh, mashup, and this week on the mashup, what we're doing is we're going to be hearing from Jared Scheffler with Whitetail Adrenaline and Cody DeQuisto with Lone Wolf Custom Gear, <coughs> but before we get into that, we did want to mention, for those that don't know, Spartan Forge, the presenting sponsor of the OKS Hunter podcast, their mobile application launches this week, Wednesday, September 15th. And if you want to save yourself 25% off on their application, their mobile app, or their web app, if you go to the website, that, that works just fine too. Use code OHP, which stands for OKS Hunter podcast, and you can get in there and look at historical weather data. Uh, for the you know, past few weeks, uh, past few months, and so forth. You can also look at the forecasted weather data. So Greg and I have been in there looking at it since our bow season opens this coming weekend on the 18th. So we're trying to figure out what have the deer been doing uh, insofar as weather, what does the public track look like as far as not pressure per se, but how many licenses were sold. Um, there's a lot of data you can get in there and look at, and then you can also determine if these deer are going to be on hoof uh, and how they're going to be navigating that terrain. So Go ahead and check out SpartanForge.ai. Additionally, you want to head over to Go Wild, or sorry, TimeToGoWild.com, and then uh, if you go to the website, you can download the app. You can also look for their app on the App Store at Go Wild. Um, if you just type that in, you'll you'll see it there. But you know, for those that don't know, Greg and I have been on there for some time. I've been on there for quite a while, and you can discuss hunting gear and hunting tips and tactics with other hunters it's a free social media community for hunters and it's also uh really it's a fun place to chat with other folks that share your unique experience about hunting uh, you can see what their gear setup is like so if you see a photo of someone you can actually look at their gear list you can create your own wish list and you can also buy gear right from their application so uh it's pretty great and as you log some of the events that you're doing on their application you build up points and those points turn into monetary your percentage discounts or giveaways and things of that nature so all around a great application uh, for hunters that are trying to be social and not get throttled by other applications like Facebook and Instagram and 
you know, not posting gripping grins because it's sensitive content and things of that nature. So you can find Greg and I on there. You can look for Eric Clark. Uh, it's E-R-I-C-C-L-A-R-K and Greg Tubbs, G-R-G-T-U-B-B-S. I know these names aren't hard to spell, but just in case, you know, it could be Eric with a, a K or a C or an E at the end or something like that. Uh, anyway, so that's the update as far as what's going on around here. Uh, studio update. I did get a doorknob on the on the door in the studio this weekend, so that was kind of neat. Otherwise, progress is kind of halted while we adjust to the new baby, uh, baby Jude. So without me rambling on more, A, don't forget your release. B, never pass on that shooter bucket. Make sure you're having fun out there. No buck shame this season. Uh, you know, that's. I just wanted to, to say that message. I'm a little foggy because I'm also sick, but... We're going to hear from Cody DeQuisto. He's going to talk about hunting pressure, how he either A, avoids it, or B, uh, embraces it. And then we're going to hear from Jared Scheffler about aggressive hunting tactics, primarily uh, spot and stock or still hunting from the ground because that's what they're known for. Um, I called him an expert on the show. I think authority is probably a better term. And uh, these are episodes that I had done in the past for the where to hunt tactic talks. So I'm just mashing these up because we want to get excited and revved up for the season. But I wanted to head share some good knowledge from people that are getting it done. And Jared talks about the October lull because that's when we recorded this. But a lot of what he talks about is applicable now. Uh, we're going to do another bonus one, two in the future. We got a couple other guys that we want to put some, uh, you know, some information on about because they dropped some great knowledge too. So there'll be another one of these uh, probably in the future as a bonus episode. Anyway, I'll stop blabbing and then we'll be back for sure next Tuesday. That would be Tuesday the... Uh, 21st of September, we'll be back in studio taking calls, having fun. And we'll try to fill up as many calls as we can so we can uh, make sure everyone's going to have a chance to win some OKS Hunter swag. All right, we'll see you guys next week. We're going to get into another tactic talk. And on the line with us today is Cody DeQuisto. Uh, Cody, hopefully I didn't totally bash uh, your last name there, but uh, welcome to the, the show. Thank you. It, no, it was seamless. It was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> Great. Well, okay. The topic for today's tactic talk is avoiding hunting pressure or like, how are you leveraging hunting pressure to separate yourself or you get on deer, et cetera. And I just want to let you kind of run with this one. So I'll let you go. So, um, okay. So this is kind of an interesting topic and I think I might have a little bit different of a take or maybe not what you're expecting to, um, hear on this. So I, I really don't let hunting pressure dictate anything in my, I, I guess, plan or, or game plan or whatnot. So uh, with that being said, like whether it be a piece of public I'm scouting, whether it's a lease that I'm on with, you know, 10 other people, like, yes, uh, you know, pressure can be, pressure can suck, but it can also help you. Um, what I do most of the time is try and use that pressure to my advantage and I think the most important thing of that is to take mind of, okay, where people are flocking to, where most people are trying to hunt. But the most important thing is, is like nothing's going to change my, nothing's going to change my perspective when I find what I'm looking for. So if I'm on a piece of ground, it's because I know something's there I want to hunt. I don't care if there's 20 guys hunting it, if there's two guys hunting it, like I'm still going to go about killing that deer or finding that, that animal the same way I would as if you know, vice versa. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, I have specifically had luck killing deer in the past from very simply just watching the, I, I, I patterned the hunters and not the deer. I just, I, I looked at the, I looked at, I went and did some scouting. I seen, uh, stands that were hung or stands that had previously, previously been hung. 
you know, you can look at parking areas and see where people are accessing property. And I generally can get a good idea of like, okay, well, you know, the deer are probably going to avoid this area or whatnot. And I just, I just hunt the piece of ground, uh, just like I would normally if I had it all to myself. Um, and actually start to just kind of anticipate those deer skirting around those heavily, heavily frequented areas, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And you've obviously had success doing it. So how do people like change their mindset? How do they start to think that way? Like, are you looking at a plot and going, that's where all the guys are going to go and and this is where I'm going to go? Or I, I think the biggest thing or the biggest thing that I try and advocate to people, like when they come to me and ask my opinion on things like this is people get so caught up in the, in the little details, um, about things like hunting pressure or like, okay, why do the deer do this? Or, or, um, and not saying this isn't a valid topic because it, 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 it's, a, it's a huge topic and it's a good topic. And I think my answer will, will make people think a little bit because what I want to tell people and my main, my main deal is like focus on one thing, being successful at, at, at getting that deer. So like, that's the one question, not, I mean, it's, so many people get lost in the small things like, okay, let's, Hey, why do deer like acorns early season? Hey, I don't know why they like them, but I know, but I just scouted this prop. Like, but I see this tree is dropping acorns and deer are hammering the shit out of them. So I'm going to hunt here and it doesn't matter to me why they like the acorns. All I know is that a big buck likes his acorns right now. Like he's, you know, he's here in this, on this acorn flat and I'm going to go, I'm going to go try and harvest them, you know? Does that make sense? Like, it's just, it's one of those things where, um, so when I look at like hunting pressure, okay, like there's no telltale, there's no telltale, um, thing that I'll do. Uh, you know, I find that actually hunting pressure is a little hot and heavy right off the bat. And I tend to avoid maybe like places opening day because everybody is so freaking hammered to get out there and just go gun ho opening day. Um, but Especially when you got like, let's say you got a, a, a rough terrain piece, you'll find out who the real dudes are a month into the season. If they're still frequenting that piece, you know, everybody and their mom is going to go their opening day and walk two miles and, and go, go burn it down. Who can keep that stamina up? Who is going to consistently keep hunting that piece? Um, and then like, so I think avoiding openers and avoiding like right off the bat gunshot, like the race started, like, you know, uh, heavily frequented areas can help you um, just because, you know, maybe go to a less frequented area at that point in time. But like it, that would be my only tip for like in general of hunting um, uh, pressured areas. Um, as far as, as far as identifying pressured areas, you have to, you just got to scout the piece. So just like you're scouting that piece and you are, um, you know, trying to figure out where those DR, DR are, you can do the same thing and figure out where all those people are. So, and once you start finding, you know, um, inklings of that, uh, then that's when you kind of know where to avoid or, um, you know, go from there. It seems like you have to think harder. So if you're in an area and you're like, oh man, I'm off the beaten path now and then boom, boot tracks, right. Or trail cam or tree stand. Like you start to discover that human sign. Now you're like, oh man, so I'm not the only one thinking this way. There's somebody else serious back here too. Um, it's at that point when you really got to critically think and you're, that's, I think, where the the combination of 
like tracking the deer sign and the hunter sign kind of meet. You you kind of have an idea of where the deer are going to flow through things. And most people can look at a map and kind of make some assumptions there and do a pretty good job. And then it's the getting away from people. And you can probably get a pretty good guess where people are going to go to. But it's that boots on the ground and then bringing those two worlds together. And it's how do you separate yourself and go that extra mile, so to speak, or that last mile to really to really tighten it up. And yeah, and you don't necessarily have to stay away from the people because some of those people are are on they're they're in the game, and if they're in the game, you got to be in the game too. So you know what I'm saying? Like just because you go and you find you know the sign of another hunter, if I go and I'm like, damn, Eric's been here. Well, I, I'm looking at what's going on, and I'm like, damn, Eric's in a good spot. Like so, <laughs> he's gonna have some company. Like that's that's my mentality of it. Now, if I you know if if um. I guess I'm, I'm not seeing what I'm looking for on the deer, deer front in that area, then I'll, I'll leave. But I think it's important to take, take both things into consideration and have one thing as a priority. And that's just, you know, finding the deer, finding a buck you want to harvest and not worrying so much about, um, uh, others. Now, don't get me wrong. It, it, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be setting up and you know, somebody's going to come in and just blow your hunt, but you know, you gotta be where the, the bucks are to kill them and wherever that is, it is. And, and the pressure and now, and that's where the influx of pressure too might, might change that. But that's where frequency of scouting comes into play. You have to frequently be scouting. You got to frequently be looking, um, you know, at all times, things can happen so quickly, I think in the season or, um, you know, in a, in a week on a private piece, on a public piece as, as bucks start to get more squirrely and they start to, you know, uh, get a little bit more testosterone flowing in their body, they're going to start doing different things. You know, uh, the things that these deer eat throughout the year change, uh, you know, their, you know, their bedding may change their patterns to feeding, like all that, you know, subject to, it's it's always subject to change, you know, things are always changing. So you got to be always trying to adapt to those changes and that's where you're going to have the most success, uh, pressure and no pressure. I like it. And the things do change consistently. So whatever, even like whatever worked last year, if you saw a deer in a certain area, that doesn't oh. mean they're going to be there again. Cause if you didn't consider 100%. when that was or what was going on or the conditions, et cetera, how many cars are parked out in that area or whatever, it's all, it's all going to add up. Um, so you just gotta, I, it sounds like you gotta just stay sharp and stay in your senses. I, yes. I a hundred percent. I actually just did a post about that the other day and it's about dude, leaving the past where it belongs. Like uh, for so long, I let past kills dictate, decisions I made in the current year. And sometimes they can help. I mean, yeah, sometimes you got a good spot. Sometimes you find an awesome spot and you, but I'm typically killing early and I'm killing specific deer that I'm sought after. So like those specific deer, you know, maybe do they're doing what they're doing. Like, you know, yeah, if you, if you hunt a pinch in November, that pinch is probably going to be good next November, but that doesn't mean that another, but like, if, but if like in my situation, if I kill a buck opening morning coming into a you know, uh, a food source or whatever, that food source might not be there next year. Like there might not be another buck of the caliber I want to kill in that area. Like it's just, there's so many variables. So leave the past where it belongs. Don't let, don't let that determine it, it's tempting, dude. And I do it all the time. Like I think about, Oh man, I rocked that slam right here. Like this is a good spot. I'm going here tonight when realistically, and a lot of times I'll do it. I'll find myself in that, in that same spot, hang a stand. And I'm like, what, why are you even here? You don't even, like what made you come here other than that good memory? And that's where you need to just kick yourself in the nuts and, and go somewhere else. 
That's a hard line to draw because maybe you yeah. want to, yeah. that's a really hard one for people to walk away from. Are you, it uh, is. you know, in, in, in your kind of experiences, uh, I mean, you are out a lot. You, you dedicate a ton of time. You know, we just said before we hit the record button that like come hunting season, good luck getting hold of me. Um, are, yeah. are you bumping into other hunters? Are they bumping into you? How, like, are you seeing other folks out on public land when you're out and about, or is that pretty limited based on your approach? Well, so, and that's the thing with my public land, like the, the, the amount of time I spend on, on public ground is pretty minuscule. It usually happens before my main season's open. And after I've filled the tag, on like, on like main farm releases that I have. So, um, I've seen people in the past. I haven't, like, I don't, if I was, I would say this, if I was going to go hunt like purely public ground every day, um, for like an entire season, I would be looking for a big piece where I could definitely get away from people and piece that I think would, would deter a lot of hunters from, from going deep into a lot of times I see people like on the road, I see people entering and exiting the places, but not really, not really during the hunt, like per se. Um, and sometimes I specifically sit where I can see people. A lot of the over, best spots overlooked are the spots closest because everybody's got a hard on to go as deep and as far as they can. And a lot of times that's not the answer. I like that a lot because a lot of, especially the expression, they got a hard on to go deep again. The, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. puns that live inside of that statement. Yeah, pun, pun intended uh, right there. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. Uh, you don't always have to. It's about being smart in, in terms of how you look at yeah. things too. It's not yeah, just this dude, outworking I, mentality that some people have, which is fine. You've got to have that too, but yeah, you want, don't yeah, Don't get me wrong. You want to separate yourself and you want to get where you don't think anybody's going to be. But I've also, I talked to, um, I went and checked out a piece that a buddy of mine was hunting and he was getting his deer on trail camera and he was like, well, I don't know what's going on, whatever, whatever. I came and scouted out the piece. This deer, it ended up that this deer was crossing the road, probably a quarter mile from the parking lot of the of the piece going out into the adjacent property across the road and i'm like you know so everybody's like this deer's living on this public piece and people are getting pictures of it and whatever but like his primary pattern was leaving that piece and going out and feeding on the neighbor's uh crop and all that stuff and and the place to kill him was literally probably 400 meters from the parking lot on a beach trail that crossed the road and, and that was the spot. Like, and actually, you know, it, it it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, you kind of, you kind of cock your head a little bit like, well, I, I, holy shit, like fucking, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah, I guess, but you know, you gotta be looking for that. You can't, you can't not have that in your mind. You have to be conscious and you have to do your diligence and in, in looking around some of even some private farms that I've hunted in the past that I've never been to some of the best spots were the spot where you'd think you would think like, Oh, well, there's no way there's a, no, there's like, you wouldn't even think to hunt them. I've gotten on giant deer literally bedded right in, in tiny little like, um, CRP thickets right next to interstates with not, not, a, not cover, not any cover in sight, whatever. And then that deer gets up, every night and, and moseys on across the interstate and goes out into some big freaking egg fields or something. It's like, but you're going, you're going to that piece. You're not, you're, you're driving by that deer going and parking and going straight for the timber. And you're looking at these big, you know, these, these, these spots that you've quote unquote, you know, aerial scouted on Onyx or something that you think are going to be good. And if you would have just 
done your diligence and looked around a little bit more and taken into account and, and done some scouting, you might've bumped that deer up or seen them or, um, you know, it's, that's the thing, man. It's not, it's not a, it's not a peg game, man. It's not always the same thing. It's, it's just always, everything's changing. And it seems like that kind of creative thought process or the critical thought process around that approach to always be challenging yourself to think Sim- outside of that proverbial box is a, a good way to think about uh, it. I would say, I would say being simple, like, um, think simple, simple, simple. Like, like literally, to, I, I, if I had one piece of advice to give somebody, you know, like this year going into it, um, I'm a textbook overthinker and I overthink the shit out of everything. But I also reel myself in and I tell myself, okay, just get back to the basics and just think simple, simple. Like just, I'm here to do one thing. I just say, hey, let's just find a deer and let's, and let's uh, get close enough to, to get a shot at him. Like, that's it. Let's, let's not overanalyze this, you know, let's do that. Um, and, um, yeah, that that's, and I'm actually, you know, throughout this year, I'm going to do a video series too, at like a little bit closer, look at my thought process going through a season day in and day out. Uh, I'm going to put that on my, on my Instagram and, and whatnot, just to kind of, I guess, I think people would be shocked at the, at the very simplicity of my strategy. Because I think people, people shoot themselves in the foot constantly by just simply overthinking. All right, now you're going to hear from Jared Scheffler and uh, what he has to say about still hunting, spot and stock, uh, kind of the October lull approach, but I believe a lot of this is applicable at any point in time during the season. Uh, it's a good way to get and learn how to get comfortable pushing limit and becoming kind of aggressive in your approach. So some really practical advice in this one. And I uh, hope you guys can get some value out of this as well and apply it to this season. Uh, this week we have Jared Scheffler with Whitetail Adrenaline. Fuck my life. I did it again. I did this the first time I talked to you. Whitetail Adrenaline. Uh, we're going to talk about how to get aggressive in the face of the quote-unquote October lull. And uh, really, I wanted to reach out to you because you're the expert at uh, hunting from the ground aggressively. So, um, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for having me, but I wouldn't call me an expert. I mean, anybody that's watched the videos over the years knows I, I make plenty of mistakes along the way. I watch you, and it looks like you're playing chess with these animals, so I want to pick your brain for the audience and get real granular in the nuts and bolts about like what, how they should be thinking about things or what things they should be taking into consideration. If you're hunting on the ground, you, you lose some of that advantage of that height of carrying your wind and maybe not being eye level with these animals, so like... How can people um, that are hunting on public land kind of tighten that gap between them and, and the animal that they're after? Okay, yeah. So, you know, you're talking about like October low. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad you clarified people on like a public land level um, because public land is in most areas fairly prevalent to some degrees or to some degree, excuse me, meaning you have a decent amount of acreage, a decent amount of different pieces to go to, which is lead me into the next uh, thing, which is I like to actually get semi-aggressive. If I'm in an area during this time of year, I like to get, you know, let's say it's kind of more wooded, you know, not as open a country. I like to get just a little bit more aggressive sometimes if it's not going very well, if I don't have an idea or a bead. A lot of people will play the soft card, but if I'm planning on, like a lot of these people that are listening are probably you know, talking about their home turf area where they plant pre-rut rut. So, you know, we did this for a number of years. It worked out very well in Wisconsin where 
that early part of October, mid-October, before pre-rut starts kicking in, we would actually go semi-aggressively into places that we hadn't been before. And actually, kind of softly, I mean, we're kind of still hunting and stalking through the woods. We're trying to get something, but more importantly, just trying to get an idea by simply bumping. You know, sometimes you'd bump does, you know, and occasionally get on a good buck doing this. And occasionally we'd bump a good buck. But now we created like an inventory. Okay, we got we we began to do this many years ago. Ten years ago, we started doing this in Wisconsin primarily, or wooded stuff. This is a really good technique. We go in, find these doe, you know, where these does bedding areas were on these new pieces where we didn't know that information. Sometimes we'd get on a, a good buck in doing that. Other times we just create it. so that way, come pre-rut, entering rut. We'd have a really good idea of several different pockets that we can pop into that basically set us up and, and, and eliminated a lot of these other pieces of public that by the pre-rut rut came around, we knew which pieces we were going to target and we knew where the does were likely going to be bedding. And then we can go in and soft still hunt and stalk our way into those areas using the wind, you know, right on the fringes of those bedding areas. Or whatnot, and we, you know, we killed a few good bucks in the process of doing that. Um, real briefly, I'll bring up a scenario that's worked out a couple of times really well for us, and that is the very rare. To we don't pull this one out a lot, but we've pulled it out a few times over the years, and that is a bow drive. If we've got a feeling about a piece and it's just too difficult, but it's laid out good for maybe a bow drive, we'll do that, and that has set us up on more than one occasion basically landed us exactly what we needed. The first time we didn't know if there was a big one in there, kicked it out, obviously didn't get it. Most of the time you don't on a bow drive, but we got our visual. That's a really good buck. A few weeks later, we almost, we should have by all rights gotten that deer. Um, and then that we did that again last season. We had a situation, you know, in October, fairly early to mid October. And in this particular state, pheasant hunting was opening up the next day we knew that there was a big buck my buddy had gotten a visual on him and we had tried to figure something out for a couple three days playing the soft card we ended up doing a bow drive flushed him out of there because the next day we knew pheasant hunters were pretty much going to hit that piece and do it anyways but that gave us our visual that deer located relocated almost two miles away we found him in a little bit more open uh, scenario where then we were able to play some games with him um and get into the spot and stock acting, um, you know, so I, I got a little sidetracked there. No, but. that, that wasn't sidetracked at all. That was like really well laid out because I was wondering, like I, when I watch you guys, you know, I'm like, how, how are they going? How are you knowing when to leave a spot? Like, and it sounds like you're waiting for some visual, like bumping <laughs> deer or getting eyes on a buck and, and specifically knowing, okay, there is one there. If you're not getting that type of activity, you're exiting a property. Like I've seen you guys do this. You're like, yeah. nope, we're out. I don't yeah. know. Like I'm a, I'm the okay. as hunter is what I call myself. It's like a whole freaking thing. So like, I don't know what to look for to inform a decision to leave. I always just am the optimist. Like, Oh, something may come through here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's a good point to bring up. You know, we don't have time to wait around for this. Hi, this is Cherish. All right, go ahead. Okay. 
So, so we don't have time for a spot to, to really get hot. And we also don't have, you know, a lot of people, you know, for people that are listening that already got those places and spots dialed in, they know where these does are betting, they know where their bucks, you know, good bucks are or whatever. Maybe they don't want to get that aggressive, but when we're coming into areas and pockets or haven't hunted it for a year, we're not running cameras. We're not doing, you know, we don't have all this information backed up already. So I'm just speaking in, in, in that sense for people. So, so that way people that aren't familiar with their videos, they kind of understand why we're getting aggressive like that. And yes, the point you brought up about, you know, we're looking for that visual. We need some confirmation there. Uh, there's, there's, there's tons of public acreage out there an opportunity out there so general rule of thumb is if we don't get that visual we kind of keep moving it's got to be something pretty you know special for us to kind of give it you know that'd be a compelling uh, reason to stick around exactly and you know the the one thing that hunters really like to get hung up on sign and i love sign too just as much as the next guy you just got to be careful is this nighttime sign that's happening from private deer that are crossing on the public making this sign at night you know, it doesn't mean you shouldn't come back and hunt it, but I wouldn't waste my time there in early October. I mean, maybe that's information that I'm going to be like, okay, I do think that they're living on private, but it's early to mid-October. It's not quite pre-rut yet. It's not rut. Maybe I'll come back in a couple, three weeks, and I'll catch one of them good bucks that are just making all this sign straight, you know, and maybe he'll he'll fumble over here on the fucking daylight when I can actually Right. Well, and, and one of the things you just said a moment ago is you, once you find that, identify that buck or whatever, you're going to, you, you'll go back and you'll, you'll play the game with him. What does that, what does that game look like? Because you make it look really easy. And I think it's because you've had so much time in the woods over the, over your career doing this. Um, you know, some of us don't know how to play that game. Like, how do you start to dissect that? Yeah. Um, so, so let me just go back to like, it, if, if okay so like in the scenario where we kicked out a big buck on a bow drive now we waited another week and that happened to be early october we waited another week and we thought maybe we could kill him on a bow drive we thought we kind of had it figured out where if he's in there again he's going to come through here he's going to put on the brakes right here and give us a good shot unfortunately he didn't come out on that one okay one other buck did he was a decent buck a shooter but it didn't give us a situation now from that point forward we left it alone for a couple weeks. No more playing around in there. We're going to come back and try to catch him in, in, you know, late, late October, early November, in this case, in Wisconsin. And it, it, it's about worked out perfect. Now, in this scenario I brought up about last year, you know, we did that. Ended up, he got an open country where we could play with him. We're going to put, we're going to be aggressive till we get that visual. And then, you know, I, I, I've, I guess what I like to do, uh, or what, how I put it is to be a, a con, uh, continually successful spot and stock hunter on whitetails, I do think it's mandatory that you have to have a good balance of passive aggressive, which means there's times you got to get aggressive and ultra aggressive, and there's times you really need to put on the brakes. And that's just kind of that art side that you develop and, and begin to, you know, develop better and more accurately in those situations. Your judgment is on what to do the more you do it. There's no, uh, there's no one size fits all. It's an experience thing. Yeah. You start to learn it as you do it. Yeah. The more experience you get, the more you understand, like I need to cover ground right now. This deer can't see me. He can't hear me. I know I need to get here. You need to do that as fast as you can. And once you get there now, it might take you an hour to go 15 yards or 20 yards to inch in there. Now it's, now you're going into passive mode or there might be a scenario 
where like you get a, a, a good buck in a situation where maybe it's on public, but maybe you don't think that there's other hunters hunting or small game hunters going to mess it up or whatever. You might decide I need to play a little bit of a more passive, softer card. Now I got my visual. I don't want to get too rammy. And, and maybe you'll play that game with them for a couple, three days and, and, and just soft do it. Other times, you know, as you're starting to get into late October, November, oftentimes you don't, you, you can't really afford to, to, to play that from a day-to-day basis because they might be gone a mile or two away the next day. So you, you, you can't really do that. Uh, you know, well, you can, but you're taking a risk there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so far, like knowing, getting in and like bumping them out of beds and then going, okay, I know where their beds are. So maybe I can come back if I bumped them out. I know like, you know, a lot of folks think that when they've bumped a deer, it's game over. Oh no, I bumped them. It's, I'm never oh. going to see them again. But it's like, no, that, that bed worked yeah. for that deer. They're going to come back. The security system did its job. Um, yeah. So then like maybe you get a little bit more confidence in knowing that that's how things kind of work or you can yeah. be a little reckless, but like watching you hunt, you, you can like, visualize and attack and kind of forecast and have enough foresight to know he's going to try to win me this way. And so I'm going to go that way. Um, so you're hyper cognizant of the wind. And I think because you're hunting on the ground and you're covering territory to like bridge a gap quite literally on an animal like that. Um, maybe talk a little bit about how you use the wind to your advantage. Yeah. A lot, you know, I'll tell you what, most of the time. Okay. So let's just say I got a big buck bedded right now. Most of the time I find myself the situation being a lot more likely for me to crosswind or semi crosswind come in on the animal. Not always, but outside of rut. I mean, rut can be different. They can bed in just totally, they can just, you know how it is. Sometimes they just, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. But usually generally speaking outside of rut, they're kind of betting in a way that it's so many times it's a crosswind. You don't get the perfect downwind and I'm fine with crosswind. Uh, I, I love them because you're coming in at an, uh, kind of a direction. And a lot of times I'm barely cheating that to work. And occasionally I do get that one little tiny gust of wind, you know, and it's cost me a stock where I've gotten in there <laughs> and I get that one little gust that blows it. Just Swirls right. or I changes mean, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah get on enough stocks that it happens about once or twice a year at least to me you know i had it happen last year on the situation where the wind this deer was bedded in a perfect spot wind was coming over the top of the hill i couldn't come in anywhere like that he'd see me this way i watched the weeds for a couple hours down where he was bedded it was early october so i knew the deer wasn't gonna you know and rod i probably would have been moving already but in this case i had the time i studied the weeds for a while the wind wasn't blowing. You know, I was watching the way that they were going. We we're good to come in how we did. By the time we got to where I was setting the guy to film, you know, we weren't there very long, 20 minutes, half hour. And all of a sudden I didn't catch it quite early enough, but within a minute or two of me catching it, he, he ended up getting one of those gusts. So there was a little swirl. So anyways, you, you don't always win that way, but I do find that a lot of scenarios are that way. You know, some hunters think, Oh, you got to come in on this deer completely downwind well that's not true if you've got a direct uh, if you've got a that that deer can pretty much only smell you if that wind hits them perfect like almost perfect in a line or if you've got a little bit of a swirl that's giving it more of a jagged line in some scenarios you got a perfectly straight you know blowing wind like say on flat or more open ground you got this perfect direction i'm super conscious of the wind all the time and you know, if you got that straight line, they're going to need to be on about that straight line in order to detect you. I mean, you can pretty much 
you know, like, okay, they're three yards this way. They're going to get me. They're three yards that way. They can't get me yet. Now, if you get a little bit of squirreliness in the wind, that three yards, five yards, whatever it might be, that could really screw you, you know? So. And how many pieces of property are you guys tackling? I mean, how many, how many pieces of property are you setting foot on in a given season in one oh. state? <laughs> like, I mean, obviously if we talk about like all the various seasons that you guys, that you guys are doing in various states, et cetera, but like, if we just talk about Wisconsin, there's a shit ton of public land, but your approach is get in, get out, get in, get out, get in, get out. And then boom. Oh, we got one. Like how roughly like 20, Yeah, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, the last few seasons I haven't targeted Wisconsin hardly at all. It's a pain in the estate to hunt. Like like I used to. Yeah. 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 You know, you know, I, I really was planning to do about a week or 10 days last year, but unfortunately I got sidetracked on a big buck in another state and I could not leave him because I kept playing games with him anyways. So, um, but you know, in those years where we're hitting Wisconsin for, let's say I was going to bow hunt Wisconsin for, you know, two weeks, a two week period, I'm probably going to walk into 30 pieces, you know, that's a ton. Walk in and that's mo- that's, now, and that's the, that's the thing now, right there that most people yeah. aren't doing that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like Wisconsin being a little bit more wooded stuff than what a lot of our videos has showcased the last couple of years, I'm going to have to actually get in there. Uh, which is a lot cooler than in the vehicle scope. You know, like in these open states, we get quite a bit of vehicle time because we can get on a spot and glass it from the vehicle, don't see anything, we can quickly move on. We can cover a lot of ground that way. It's very effective to be able to do that. Not always. Sometimes you got to get out, walk out a ways. I can see down in the air or whatever. But in Wisconsin, in the wooded stuff or any state that has that, you're going to have to most of the time get in there, you know, Um and, and uh, you know, in those cases, you know, the one thing that in the wooded stuff, if you're going to be stalking and still hunting through the woods, you've got to be paying attention at all times, you know, for, for movement, you, you know, you're, 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 you got to detect them before they detect you, which is an obvious thing, but you're not going to be effective still hunting and stalking in the woods if you're not on point with that. Yeah, you know, you can, I mean, it's I mean, the slightest movement in the timber like that. I mean, they just, they're, they're such ghosts. It's such a, yeah. it gets really yeah. frustrating, you know, when you're trying to get it done and you're like, ah, oh, man, cause every, every error is magnified in that situation. Yeah. 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 You know, you know, and I, I mentioned an obvious thing there, but a lot of this hunting whitetails on the ground, it can be boiled down to whether you're really good and effective at it or not. It can be boiled down to usually just a handful of small things that are fairly obvious things, but they make all the difference. And like in the woods, you got to be paying attention, got to be always searching and looking, you know, trying to pick up that deer before before he gets you. If it's a quiet day and you're in the woods where they're going to hear you a ways away, you're going to have to put on the brakes a lot more because if they hear you before you can see them, they're already looking for you. What is that up there that I hear? You know, on a windier day, you can be moving a little bit faster and get away with a little bit more and maybe detect them before they hear you. You know, another obvious thing, you know, that, you know, if you can train yourself to be really good with your eyes, you know, in the woods or in the open country, it doesn't really matter. That That's that's a big thing. That visual, that's obviously key in this. You know, I mean, again, a very obvious thing. But, you know, from there, you know. One thing that, you know, people get caught hung up on camouflages and what to do. You know, generally, I do like lighter colored stuff. But the big thing is if they're looking your direction, you're picking your times to move. 
you know, that's, that's a big thing right there that busts a lot of guys is they pick the wrong time to move where I've seen guys, you know, even in my own videos, a big buckle, like glance their direction and they're kind of looking their direction and they'll like get down. Like I'm going to hide from him now. No, now's the time you need to freeze, you know, uh, you know, and I've made those mistakes too. It's easy to, you know, I've done that for a while. So I've kind of learned, I've kind of gotten trained on it. Like you just don't move. I mean, Chancey killed a Magnum last year on the videos and you'll see that deer totally had him and Matt Pegg and he was locked onto them for a good minute, but he didn't determine that they were a human. He thought something looked out of place. He thought something didn't look right. They just don't move. You just freeze and don't move. And it doesn't always work, but a lot of times those deer will grow comfortable. Like, ah, you're nothing at all. Don't need to worry about you. And a lot of times they'll come back and reaffirm they'll relax and then, try to punk you out and, and you, you got that going on too. So, um, anyways, carry on. <laughs> no, that's good, man. That'll wrap it up. That's it. Okay. That's, the, that's the segment. All right, everybody. I hope there's something that you can walk away with for this particular season. That's either a started for you or be about to start. Like I said, here in Wisconsin, we start on the 18th. I know uh, some other states start on like the 1st of October. Some already kicked off. So everyone's kind of getting uh, amped up and excited. I just got my uh, new cell cam. I got my new broadheads. Uh, my arrows are refletched. I'm getting my uh, climbing sticks and... Um, a backpack and I'm just waiting on my platform. So there's, you know, I got my, <laughs> uh, what else? I, yeah. My, my saddle from latitude outdoors, the method to the, the two piece system, which I'll be rocking all season long. So shout out to those guys as well. And drop time spirits, which I'm not drinking any of because I'm too, well, I guess alcohol does kill germs. I probably should take a, a shot of that, but no, uh, just to stay on task here. I just want to remind everybody we'll be back next Tuesday, the 21st, Feel free to call into the show and we're live from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time at 262-757-4122. We'll be happy to hear from you and talk about what you're doing for the season. Um, I'm trying to think as I sit here if there's anything additional I wanted to announce or cover. I don't think so. I don't think so. We have a whole bunch of uh, don't forget release stickers that came in. We just re-upped on our OKS Hunter vinyl decals. We got a whole bunch of those. So we're just stocking up on some of the stuff that's moving in our store. Head on over to OKSHunter.com if you want to check out some of our swag, represent, and uh, no buck shame. All that good stuff, guys. Have a great week. Enjoy this, I don't know, quasi-fall summer weather while it's around before it gets super cold. But I know most of us are looking forward to that super cold stuff, at least here where we are in the, in the north. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to go to bed now. <laughs> sleep depression. Sleep sleep. What's it called? Deprivation? I can't even think of the word. It is a real thing in this house right now. We're running on like three to five hours of sleep in the last three days combined. So, uh, yeah. See you guys. Okay, as Hunter.